We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. Welcome, John, to Pep Talk. It's great to have you here. Uh, maybe we could start off by you kindly telling the audience a little bit about yourself and don't be humble. <laughs> well, thanks, Simon, and thanks for bringing me in here. This fantastic network that you've got, and it's great to be able to get the chance to speak. Um, so uh, what I'm doing now is sort of, I, I guess, is not a non-linear career path. Um, what I currently do is I have a portfolio for half of my time. I head up a group of nine marketing, advertising, digital and PR agencies for Omnicom, which is a consortium over the EMEA region. And I also have some philanthropic activity and a few non-execs. But I started as a young lad growing up in the 60s and 70s in the very rural county of Shropshire. Uh, I was the son of two, they wouldn't call themselves entrepreneurs. In those days, they were just business people, retailers. I came from two families of local business people. We probably had in that small market town four or five shops at any given time and various interests of that way. But uh, I was told by, you know, my parents, I didn't go to university and my parents really sort of thought, right, you know, you're obviously going to end up coming into the family business or whatever, but why don't you go and get a proper job in inverted commas? And uh, so I went into banking for a few early years, uh, just a couple of years or so, but actually got thoroughly bored with it. So took a complete left turn, went into the army, got a commission, became uh, army officer, spent 10 years there as, a, as an infantry officer and uh, got a real sense of my purpose there. And then came out almost 30 years ago, frighteningly, and went not back into the financial sector and banking, which a lot of young captains did in those days, but chose to go into the interface between business and society, really looking at the way in which business has a responsibility to play. Um, and over that period of time, probably the next formative period was 10 years as the Prince of Wales' Managing Director of Responsible Business Programmes, working with some of the biggest companies in the country uh, and internationally to look at their impact on society, engage them around key issues. And then in 2010, decided to, well, 2009, decided to stop that, tapped my toes in front of the Prince of Wales, said I was resigning to set up my own business to go beyond what was then called corporate social responsibility into ethical purpose. And I uh, was very fortunate he became my first client. We moved on, built a business with some big global clients and then exited that in 2017 to move into Omnicom. So a somewhat strange route to get into the marketing and PR and advertising world, but it's all based on ethical purpose focused uh, communication, basically, and that's me. Wonderful, I, I love your your history, and I just uh, want to dive straight into to purpose. I mean, I didn't find my purpose until I was in my 30s, and, and even now when people talk about purpose, it seems to slip off the tongue, but I know it's not an easy thing for people to find. I know that a lot of people want to find it. So give us your take on purpose. How, how do you find it? What is it? Um, and how do we avoid it not becoming, I guess, um, just a, a kind of buzzword as opposed to, to, to having real purpose, ironically? Yeah. Well, Simon, you're very true. I mean, actually, what I'm really impressed by nowadays is that I see younger people, younger colleagues and others coming in, coming out of university or school or whatever in their early 20s. And they're already thinking about their purpose in life. They're looking at how they commit their time in the most purposeful manner with respect to how they commit around things that they believe will be part of their legacy and where they want to put their time and effort. I wasn't like that. I don't think we really talk in those terms at all. Um, and it was only really looking back and I can 
come on to when exactly I started doing that, that I could see that when I had a sense of purpose and that was aligned with the organization and I was good at that, it meant that I was far more successful. People around me were happy working with me. You know, the people that I answered to thought my performance was great. And, and it made me analyze really that purpose was a key motivating factor for getting the best out of me and the best out of others. And then also I, I sort of distilled it down and thought, well, what does that actually mean? Because I'd had that sense over a wide variety of roles from being in the army to being, you know, working for the Prince of Wales, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, it was quite late that I really sat down and started to think about it. It was probably when I was setting up my business in 2010, because obviously going out and looking at how one engaged clients and what I was offering was, was quite unusual. So, you know, I, if, I, if I look at that, I was probably in my late forties and I was thinking, well, what is it that I'm offering as a product in the first instance? And I'd been very well known for the previous sort of decade or so of being able to activate ideas, you know, really had a great reputation for creating ideas into long-term purposeful programs. And so it was developing what the services for the business were that made me think about my own purpose, because that was so critical to both enjoying creating the business and pushing it on. And that became purpose. It became the language. We weren't talking about purpose in 2009, 2010. We were by the time we got to 2015, 16. So I then wrote a book called The Power of Purpose in uh, 2016. It was published in 2017. It's still available, actually, funnily enough. It's on a basement bucket on Amazon at about $2.99 now. But there's some wisdom in there, not just from me, but from people that we'd worked with in the business, people like Richard Branson, Paul Polman of Unilever, Sir Mike Rake of BT, Dame Silla Snowball of uh, MVBBDO, some really significant people. And my observations, and, you know, got to number three at WH Smith's, Forbes top 15 leaders read, and that was great. And then the market exploded, actually. So lots of companies started coming around my own agency and thinking, we're being asked by our clients as to help them define their corporate purpose. And also there's a lot of people talking about the individual sense of purpose in the world. Um, and so that really has been an explosion in my view in the last four or five years. Now, I know you have a new book out that um, talks a little bit about, I guess, the other side of it, right? So your, your first book is about, I guess, helping people understand maybe how to find their purpose. And then this new book talks about how we better not just kind of um, create fake purpose, I guess, is my take on it, but my layman's way of explaining it. But why don't you tell, tell the audience listening a little bit about what, what you're trying to do with your new book? Yeah, no, thanks, Simon. So, um, so yes, power of purpose really was very much defined about individuals finding their purpose and being able to express it through their businesses or through their employment. And this is a critical factor in society because we all want businesses to be prosperous, but we want the best businesses to prosper. You know, if you think about your children going in to become employees, you want them to be there and there on their merit, not on what they look like and things of that kind. And then we had this explosion and it's very interesting going from where I had been strategic counsel businesses about how they treated people, how they created a purposeful business, went into the marketing, communications, advertising, et cetera, space. And this isn't criticism at all, but there was a great flood of activity. There is a great demand coming through that space. And by accident, more than design, it's a great risk that if we don't get the communication of purpose and the development of purpose right, then it will run the risk of becoming what we used to call around the environment campaign, which is greenwash. It could become purpose wash, where companies simply uh, adopt the next campaign, say things that aren't true to what they're doing in their business. 
So actually, I and a colleague of mine in the space uh, created Truth Be Told, which was actually launched just a few days ago. Um, and Truth Be Told actually is about how authentic marketing based on a human truth and purpose actually wins in the purposeful age. And what it really does is it addresses the, the dilemma of businesses wanting to do things and perhaps uh, expressing through their communications activities that they aspire to, but then getting called up with the fact that uh, their own behaviours are not as good as what they're actually talking about. And we as communicators in the middle of that, we have a responsibility, I think, to preserve the reputation of the business, not to hide things, but to help them move on that journey and be very authentic about what they're communicating. So that's what Truth Be Told is about, and it's been getting some very good responses to date. Well, it's a, it's a fantastic book. I've got to recommend it to anyone uh, that wants to understand purpose. I think both books actually are still, to me, uh, you can read them together. It's, it's, all, it, it's, it's very important to understand the concept of purpose and then make sure, I guess, that it's both not being um, something you're just accidentally creating as a fake uh, narrative in your business um, because I, I mean I know a lot of people that have good intentions they create a purposeful mission statement and vision but like you say in reality inside the business they're not actually doing that so it's all kind of external PR and I think my version of purpose is more an internal thing it's it's your your, your north star and and so I know a lot of companies yeah. that that don't follow that and and to their detriment right so and and to individuals too I mean you don't want to um pretend to be something you're not, I guess, as a person or as a company. In the end, it will hurt you. But it is something now that's become mainstream. Like you say, I never heard the word purpose when I was younger. Now it feels like young people are hearing it. But you've got to make sure your purpose is genuine and your purpose has a direct line to, I think, a real meaningful element. Because like you said earlier as well, I think it does motivate you. Purpose can motivate you. Now, I've called my business the Purposeful Project. So, um, you know, but they say if you have to say it, um, it's probably not true. So I'm always very conscious that, you know, my very title uh, is purpose of my business. But I, but I also feel like, you know, I'm permanently trying to make sure we're delivering on that purpose and that we never... Uh, we never move away from anything but delivering on that purpose. But I do see companies like Shell. I mean, I don't want to bring you into any controversy, but mm. I do see companies like Shell that, you know, I don't, I can't tell, you know, they're talking about clean energy, for example, and I can't tell whether that's um, them trying mm. to divert from their negative history and trying to deflect or whether that's a genuine desire to perhaps survive. I mean, maybe even, but all the way through to actually yeah. genuinely want to invest in clean energy. I mean, what do you think about those sorts of things? It's hard for the public to understand, but what do you think? Is it, is it, is that greenwashing yeah. or is that genuine? So, so, I mean, you've picked on a very interesting case. Let's talk about the extraction businesses generally in terms of that, as opposed to any specific individual company, because obviously, I'm not familiar with the particulars of any individual company's internal endeavors, but what I would say across the sector is that actually for their long-term sustainable existence, those sorts of companies are transitioning. And it's a reality check because if, I mean, what we've got there is a classic example. You cannot keep creating oil and petroleum if the things that they've been used for are no longer going to exist because consumers are shifting towards those principles. Now, Jaguar and other car makers, for example, are putting down lines now saying, we are gonna be entirely electric or, or hydrogen or whatever in a certain set numbers of years. Once the petroleum industry starts to die because cars are no longer using petrol, then the companies 
that produce that petroleum are going to die as well unless they have made exactly the same transition. So what's happened over the last few years is I think I, I use an analogy about coffee. So basically what's happening is you, you, make two, you can make coffee in two ways. You either have a cafeteria type approach where you, you, know, you put the water in, you push it down. Now push down tends to come in this sort of regard from government and things of that kind. So governments and other you know, top-down influential organizations will start to legislate against certain things. They'll start to incentivize other things like energy, etc. But on the other side, you have percolation and percolation is the market. Percolation of the younger generations going through and saying, actually, firstly, I may not buy a car. You know, secondly, if I do buy a car, it's going to be this. I'm going to make these purchasing choices. And in the middle are the companies that have actually got effectively you know, old 20, you know, 19th century, actually, and 20th century technology, uh, which have entirely got a, got a shift if they're going to survive through to the end of the 21st century. So there's no doubt in my mind about that. And then just go to your other point and what you do through your, your own company, etc. is I think it's a highly relevant, particularly where you've got founders of businesses, where you've got family businesses, where you've got people who are perhaps leading smaller businesses into growth areas. The value set and the culture inside of business is often the value set and the culture of those people at the top, the founders, et cetera, et cetera. And they often, uh, they will inevitably set the tone. But what I'm really seeing now, which is tremendous, is that people are coming in and expressing their own personal values their ethics, their views on sustainability and the development of their businesses. So, so I think that that's also happening in the bigger businesses as well. People are becoming much more conscious of these, uh, these types of issues. I think what you said earlier yeah. about, um, you know, when you found your purpose kind of giving you energy, I think that's the thing that's not talked about enough. Actually, it's not about having purpose perhaps for even marketing effect. Um, which I know a lot of companies do do that, but I think it's actually a motivating factor um, for you as an individual if your company oh, yeah. is true to its purpose and you believe in that purpose. I mean, yeah. I hire around purpose. I never, I never hire, I never manage anyone in, in my organisation. I manage, I manage my purpose. I make sure we're sticking to it, and then those people manage themselves because they believe in that purpose. If you recruit correctly, yeah, absolutely. So, so critical things there which people should bear in mind is for me. Purpose is not a marketing tool. Purpose is just the way that your purpose, sorry, marketing is just the way your purpose in the business is amplified. Purpose for me is a leadership imperative and it should be a leadership approach based on ethics and sustainable thinking. The sustainability is not about greenwashing. Sustainability is how do you make your business long-termly successfully sustainable? Well, you do that by recruiting the right people, having them in the best conditions, empowering them, wanting them to be purposeful, wanting them to get the satisfaction they want. So, so you're absolutely right. And, I, and I'm a great believer. I mean, for years and years and years, I mean, probably almost 20 years, I have not recruited on the basis of qualifications. I've recruited on the basis of character. Now that's probably on the basis that I'm not a graduate and all these very bright people that come and have worked for me in teams in the past have all had fantastic qualifications. But what I've been inspired by is their sense of what they want to achieve in the world, what they do in their spare time. You know, do they care about things? These are the, sh this is what shapes the character of people. And then you create these extraordinarily purpose powered cultures internally. 
And some of the teams that I've had the privilege of working to, yeah, uh, working in, yes, they'll inevitably say, well, John, it's because of your leadership or whatever. It's not actually, it's about the recruiting the right people. And then the culture becomes incredibly powerful. And it's a powerful embodiment of the purpose of the business, not as a marketing tool, but the way they innovate around products and services and innovate around solving problems. You know, all the sort of things which drive a business to become something really special. And and I have to be honest, I can look back on three occasions in my life where I've had that. You know, the first was the military, undoubtedly. Very clear sense of purpose, pride in what we were doing. People were aligned. We thought we were doing something good in the world. Ten years, first the prince is MD and seven years afterwards is a special representative. But during the time of leading his teams, the same thing. Purpose-driven people believing we're doing some good in the world in fantastically mutually supportive teams. And then thirdly, when I created my own small business, it was the same thing because we were so intent on making the right decisions for the business based on the wider aspect of what we were trying to contribute to the world. So I think it's critically important. People are at the core of this and it's definitely not a, a marketing or communications uh, strategy. It's a bit like being in love when you describe purpose in my mind. You know it when you feel it. Right. It's kind of that kind of. Well, it, well, it, you, you, you've got it right, Simon, because actually the word I use and I use it in one of the books is I think it's like charisma. So when you meet people, you know, you can say, gosh, they got it and you can't define what it is. You know, you might meet it doesn't matter who they are or whatever. But you think, gosh, you know, they've got something. And that's the charisma that comes out. And I think those people that work with really purposeful businesses. You know, they know that that business has got it mm. and they're incredibly proud of being in that team, etc. So I think you're absolutely right. Good, good, good analogy. I, I've met people, I mean, you wouldn't, like, I know this is controversial to say stuff like this, but um, I'll be a bit careful. But, you know, Bill Gates to me is quite charismatic. I mean, he's not, he's, he's geeky. I mean, a lot of people would say, you know, that, that it's not a charismatic uh, profile, but in a way he's become charismatic as he's found his purpose more and more in my view. I find, I find him quite charismatic, but he definitely wasn't when he was younger. I'm sure through purpose, you can build your, mm. your charisma. Yeah. And no, I'd agree. Uh, you know, I think actually, I mean, it, it's an interesting thing about characters because people obviously uh, you know, character is shaped by experience. So there's undoubtedly, you know, you, you might become more charismatic as you get on, or you might be incredibly charismatic when you're younger and then have be shaped by circumstances that perhaps rough take the edge off it or whatever. I think it's something that changes consistently. But at the core of that, you've got to have a set of values and authenticity about what you are. I mean, we hear a lot about, you know, being the true self. And I would advocate that as long as you, know, you, you hope that the true self is a good self, you know, I mean, you know, there are constant instances where true self comes out through personal branding and upsets actually what the facade has been. Um, and it's exactly the same with business. Yeah, and it's interesting just circling back, because I know we only have you for a short time, but this electric car thing, sometimes I feel like, you know, it's interesting, your kind of way of explaining through the coffee making you're making me want a coffee when you explain it that way by the way but the way that the whole, the whole top-down model versus um, bottom-up model but electric cars is in my view a consumer-driven uh, initiative because a lot of the car companies have they didn't want to change to be honest they didn't want to change and you know porsche for example would define themselves by the sound of their engine right so uh, moving to electric literally uh, is, is is a problem yep. and and of course we all know elon musk has, has driven it and I was skeptical about Elon Musk and I have at points been skeptical of Elon Musk but one thing I'll give him I'll give him kudos for in 2014 he released the patent to his battery 
And to me, that was a changing moment in whether or not he was genuine in his purpose in my yeah. mind. Because if you're genuinely wanting to put, you know, electric well, cars on the road yeah, and make absolutely. the world a better place, you keep the battery, for, you know, you, you don't want to keep that battery for yourself, right? That was a big move. I don't know if you agree with me, but yeah. that, that was my eye-opening uh, feeling. I, I do, I do. And and I think that, you know, the, the, the other example of that actually, which people um, don't remember, was that people don't remember how the crossover seatbelt came about. So the safety that we all rely upon now in our cars came about because it was invented by Volvo and given away by Volvo. And it was given away by Volvo because Volvo had an extraordinary reputation back in the 70s or whatever for, and, and beyond for, for safety. So they developed, instead of the, just across the waist, they, they, they created the crossover seatbelt, which has saved hundreds of thousands of lives probably and injuries over the years. But they didn't need that as a you know, a, a sort of copyrighted thing for their cars. They believed in a higher purpose, which was the safety of people motoring, gave it away. And I think Elon Musk on the battery side, I think genuinely has been uh, a great disruptor uh, in a way, you know, rather than dis destroying um, other car manufacturers has opened the doors to allow them to get on that disruptive aspect as well. So I think there's a great analogy there in the motor industry. I didn't know that about Volvo and it's interesting because of course Volvos in my mind are the safest car on the planet and of course if they own the seatbelt as a, as a trademark then they would have one more thing that made them safer than anybody else right so that would have given them more market share but I, I think it's also about legacy we're starting to get into that word a little bit when you talk yeah. about this in my mind so, and that's the other learning I think for my listeners maybe that purpose isn't just isn't isn't just about giving back and a selfish endeavor if you leverage it properly you can it can leave a legacy right and that's all you can really leave behind anyway well it, it's both a legacy but also i have to say if you think purposely around it, it, i have another saying that i keep banging on about don't try and sell something try and solve something for people okay so if, if you think about all the needs that we have from being fed to being entertained to being kept healthy to being transported etc you know, you're not trying to sell a product, you're trying to solve that human need. Now, if you approach your business in that way, and it doesn't matter what it is, then that frees you from the product and sort of static service delivery. It, it makes you feel much more focused about what the person is that you're trying to solve the problem for. And that therefore means that you create innovation in your products and services. It means that you actually think like you know volvo or others well this is something we can afford to give away because we're more we're more concerned about uh the people we're trying to solve the problem for than we actually are concerned about just holding everything close to ourselves so so i think if you can free yourself from that old thing as well um businesses can become extraordinary and in terms of legacy you know i've also worked in the past with a lot of family multi-generation family-owned businesses you know some of them going back into victorian times and the principles and the values of uh, the people that lead them still from family members, third, fourth, fifth generation in some instances, is based on the fact they have a longer term view as well. So unlike a CEO whose average tenure might be four and a half years or even less nowadays, these are people whose families have been in this business for decades and they want to see that family going forward. And they describe themselves as businesses of families, not families of businesses not a family business. So a friend of mine is Richard Walker of Iceland Foods. You know, we, we do a lot of stuff together, you know, and Richard describes um, this in, you know, in his thinking because, you know, his father, Sir Malcolm Walker, set the business up 40 odd years ago. And there are people working in the stores today whose parents and grandparents worked right at the start. And I think that's a fantastic legacy. And it's a responsibility as well, Simon. Totally. Yeah. 
totally it's uh well look i i, I could talk to you forever um i would like to have you back on the purposeful project podcast because i also want to get into the details of of your your life experience and, and what you've learned building businesses being involved in building other people's businesses and in, in the army I, I i've uh i've got to know you personally over the last few months i really love all of your insights so that i'd love to have you back um and and we could share um, your story and so look forward to that if anyone wants to buy your book truth be told um we'll put the links wherever you're listening to this broadcast right now we'll put the links below and um i i, I really look forward to having you back john thank you so much for taking time out today to share your story and insights yeah, Simon, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I hope your listeners got something out of that. I think it's a great initiative that you have. The more powerful businesses we can have in the world today, the better the world will be. Yeah. That's the great thing that we can look forward to. Thank you. Lucky to have someone like you helping us define what purpose is too. So thanks so much for that, John. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by the Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge as well as get access to Pep Talk and the Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.